are back. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington, and joining me today is the one and only Mr. Kevin Durso. How are you, buddy? Doing well. How are you? You know, if I think <laughs> if I think about the Flyers, I'm doing bad. But if I think about the fact that I'm watching four to six hours of fantastic playoff hockey every night, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk about the playoffs as we get a little further into the show. We do have some Flyers news to kick it off. Uh, the Flyers limped down the stretch here, um, actually won a couple games at some point, managed to not finish third to last. Thanks a whole lot, Seattle. Uh, <laughs> managed to f- uh, finish the season fourth from the bottom. The Flyers will have the fourth best odds in the upcoming draft lottery, uh, which before we dive into, we will talk about on our next show, which if you're new with us here uh, in the summer, we go to every other week. And since the fire season is over, we will be moving to that every other week schedule. Uh, this episode is coming out on Wednesday night. Our next episode, we're going to skip this upcoming Sunday. Next Sunday, we'll be back. And then every two weeks, basically till the new season kicks off in October. So just wanted to kind of get that little scheduling note in off the top. Uh, the Flyers limped down the stretch. Ended up missing the playoff, no surprise, finished way outside. Uh, draft lottery May 10th. Um, what, what are we doing if the Flyers get the first round pick, or the first overall pick, right? Like, it's not it's not super duper, you know, likely. I think it's something in the neighborhood of 9%. Uh, but the Flyers I, could very well end up with that Shane Wright pick. Yeah, it's 9.5% odds. That's where it's at. Um Listen, I'm trying to talk about some positive because I feel like this show is going to be pretty negative. So I'm trying to talk about what if we win the draft lottery off the top here. Then they get an additional player. We can say that for certain, I guess. Right. I mean, to be, if, I, if I'm being quite honest with you, I can't tell what they're going to do otherwise based on, you know, what with, with ever with whatever pick they get, I guess. If, you if know what the I Philadelphia mean, like, Flyers end up trading away a top five pick. Oh, it's going to be a long summer. And I, mean, I don't, don't I don't think out. that's impossible. Don't rule it out. I'm no. not going to tell you to rule it out. I mean, I don't think that if they jumped from fourth best odds to first or, or second, that they would be in a position to trade the pick away. I, I agree. Because I, I, I kind of almost get the sense at this point that there is now – even more than just what we were already discussing about the draft, there's now, I think, even more of a clear-cut top two. I agree. Like, we all knew it was the Shane Wright draft for the most part. Now it's becoming Shane Wright number one, probably Logan Cooley number two. And Logan Cooley is doing some impressive things recently. I think if they ended up with either one of them, I think people should be thrilled. I agree. Because, you know, And then here's the thing. I can't speak for Shane Wright. I don't know where Shane Wright's going to end up after all of this is done in terms of where he starts. Logan Cooley's not going to start at the NHL level right away. No. And that's going to be perfect because yep. I think he's just going to mold into something that becomes even more valuable whenever he does make the jump. But he's, you know, he's going, He, you know, he's another one of those U.S. development team program guys, you know. And we've has, seen a lot of those guys come out and have a lot of success right away. We've seen a lot of those guys come out and be part of this team anyway. Yep. Which isn't which is a great thing in and of itself. Um you know I don't know what to you know, wh- where to expect them to go per se completely. Sure, they could fall as far as I think sixth. 
Right. Well, so here's the things that can happen. They they can win one of the lottery drawings, and there's only two. So right. they can win one of the lottery drawings and be first or second. They can't be third. They can be fourth, or they could drop to fifth or sixth. One of the things that makes this a little more complicated is um, that there is not only is there two drawings, but you can't jump more than 10 spots. So if, like, by some magic, the 15th-ranked team wins a lottery pull, they're right. only going to fifth. Right. So the so, Flyers are kind of protected from crazy, crazy jumps. Right. And I mean, and this is the thing. The difference between, you know, like that, that game that Seattle had, th- th- it was the difference between a guaranteed top five pick because if the Flyers finished third, they were guaranteed a top five pick. Because you just can't fall any further than right. that. Right. You can't right. fall further than fifth. You could jump to first. Who knows? But it's it would have been, you could have ended up smack in the middle. Yep. I mean, let's put it this way. I think that what the, what's probably going to end up happening more than likely is they'll pick exactly where they were supposed to pick. They'll Probably. end up with the fourth pick, more than likely, I would say. And that's pretty much where you leave that one. I'm not going to go and start trying to harp on too much right now. Cause here's and the we'll other have thing. more draft coverage as we get closer. I know on the next show we'll talk about the results of the draft lottery. And then as we you know move through the playoffs, we will talk about some prospects. Well, and here's the other thing about the prospects as you kind of go forward with this. Um once you get past, you know, like we said, kind of the top two, you know, Shane Wright, Logan Cooley, probably kind of starting to solidify as a number two, probably, you know, I don't even know what direction to begin after that. I mean, there's right. a lot of interesting things kind of to go around. I know that the, I know, like I've seen some of the draft rankings from some of the conversations I've had. This could be a real, like some of the under more underrated talent, if you will, or hopefully what a lot of people have observed to be the better talent coming out of it or better potential is probably in foreign prospects more than North American prospects at this point. Okay. I mean, and that makes a lot of sense because a lot of those players haven't been seen over the last couple of years. And this is, I mean, this seems like it's a draft that's very rich in Finnish and Swedish type players. Like, be ready for that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, okay. um, what's what's the kid's name? Slavkovsky is the kid from Slovakia who tore it up in the Olympics. Right. He's going to go top five, probably. Yep. Like, he's going to go top five. He's probably right there on the radar if the Flyers are picking, say, fourth. I'm sure they'll like, talk to him. I, I can't see how they wouldn't. Right. I'm um, sure he's going to be in the range of guys that they talk to. Right. And that's, like, you got to go into that kind of stuff and... You know, we'll we'll kind of take closer looks at that. I mean, the draft also. The thing that's interesting is they're going to do this lottery pull when they are in like in the course of this month, May tenth, and, and about a week from now. Right, yeah. and there's the draft isn't until July seventh and eighth, so you've yep. got two months to sit on this. A lot of time. So we've got more than enough time to go into certain things. I'm obviously like I got to go in and dig up my resources and all that good stuff, too. Yeah, we haven't started focusing on the draft yet. The playoffs are too exciting. All right, here you. But anyway, so back to the end of the season for this team. Yeah. I mean, you know, first of all, I mean, you asked how I was feeling and you said normally you're really like it's, you know. How, how you feel about talking about them and all that stuff like that. I'm really happy it's over. Uh, I feel Me relieved. too. I feel relieved that it's over. It feels nice to kind of not have. First of all, I think something that's relieving is being able to sit back and we're going to talk about this by the end of the show, but to watch playoff hockey. 
Uh, speaking of playoff hockey, we are uh, recording this live on Wednesday evening. Tampa just scored with 1.4 seconds left in the first period of that game two against Toronto. I think they just bumped some of that time back up if I'm seeing some tweets correctly. But oh, it was either way, good. less than five no, seconds ev- left. No, that's a, that's a crazy no, everybody, goal. I'm saying everybody put in 1.4, but I think they must have looked and added a little bit of time because I'm seeing 2.5 as well. Okay. But. But, but either way, we we will Victor be breaking Hedman, in with some uh, some live playoff updates as we record here. Victor Hedman getting it done again. I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm not going to say what my prediction for that series is because I know we're going to do this later. Yeah, but, we're going to do our our series predictions in a little bit here. We're going to get through the flyer well, because stuff. By the first. time we record again, most of these series will be pretty much over. Uh, they'll they'll really at least important. be in a spot where we we know who's in a controlling position in a lot of them. Either for that sure. or I think that or I think you're looking at game sevens by that point. That's the yep. only other thing that's left. So, um, let let's let me just say with this one, I'm not surprised about certain things with this series so far. Yeah, I agree. Um, um, I see. I'm kind of surprised just because game one was so dominant from Toronto's side, but that well, that's true. It was very dominant from Toronto's side. Okay. Uh, um, before we do that, we got to get the flyer stuff, or else we're never going to talk about it here. If we go down this playoff rabbit hole, uh, the big news story, I think, um, it, it came out in the days following the season. It was confirmed by Chuck Fletcher at Tuesday's press conference. Uh, Mike Yo will no longer be the Flyers' head coach moving forward. Uh, Now, we can both agree that this team's results were not Mike Yo's fault, correct? We can agree with that, yes. Okay. I I think Mike Yo did a reasonable job uh, taking over a flaming wreckage. I think that Mike Yo did an admirable job for another reason. He did an admirable job because of the fact that, despite the fact that he, you know, okay, the team wasn't very good. They weren't better with with him or without him. Like it didn't change much, right? Obviously, like I, I think we can all agree on that. The reason he did an admirable job is because I think a, it was about a month into having the job in the first place, a month, month and a half. It's got to be tough to know that you're already not coming back, kind yeah. of through the you know through the grapevine, if you will. No, like, you're done. Like that, the midseason press conference that happened where Chuck Fletcher was surprisingly joined by Dave Scott, pretty much confirmed that. So if you are surprised by news that Mike Yo is not coming back as the... You're not paying enough attention. Then you didn't... You weren't around in January when they basically already said that. Now, that being said, I think Mike Yo did a, a good enough job that I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a job on a bench somewhere. I don't know if he's a head coach right now. I, I, I think he puts himself in position to be another kind of primary assistant kind of guy. Um, I don't know. I think I think he did a good job, and like I said, he didn't really have a whole lot to work with here. He, he didn't, and I think it was reflective in the way that he talked at certain points. I think we've talked in the past on previous shows about some of the things he said, whether, you know, calling out players at times and things like and that. You know what? At the end of the day, push comes to shove, pen to paper – He's the one who benched Keith Yandel. Sure, well, sure, but and we got to give him, we got to give him some credit for that. Yeah, well, I think that that whole thing was overblown. And anybody, well, and by the way, another underrated part of the end of the year was that all by all accounts, the Keith Yandel's career is quite possibly over. It certainly seems that way. He got some handshakes on the ice after the flyer at the last he got game. Handshakes and hugs. I mean, from they both were doing, teams. 
well, yeah, exactly. The other, the Ottawa came over and did handshakes. Mm-hmm. The officials did handshakes. And we saw that. We've seen that with several players so far this season. Uh, Zdeno Chara got a reaction like that. Kind of several players throughout the league have done kind of a a one last lap kind of thing at the end of the games. And the fact that Keith Yandel is among them kind of spells, you know, it, it could spell retirement. Uh, there there are rumors. Of, um, there were a couple of really like from breakup day. There were some quotes that stood out. I think Nick Sealer kind of said something that very you know, kind of gave it away. It felt that way anyway. Yandel didn't speak to the media on right. break day, which I assume is just because the only thing that he's really got to say at this point anyway is to make his final announcement whenever he decides he wants to. Right. Kevin Unless Hayes, he wants to go play somewhere, try to sign on somewhere as the seventh defenseman next year and be, right. a, be a locker room guy. Like, I could see him providing value to a franchise. So here's the thing for me, too, because the other, the other big giveaway with this was, so Kevin Hayes is obviously you know pretty much his best friend. I mean, right. I think we all know this. And Hayes basically said that the day of the final game of the season, they had lunch together, and Yandel told him. Like, he asked the question, and Yandel gave him an answer. He did not disclose that answer to the media. Right. But... There's an element to me where why would this even be a discussion? Why would you feel the way that you do if the answer was, hell no, this isn't my last game? You if know he I mean? said no, you don't remember asking him the question. Let's be real. Right. So I think we all can deduct the answer in terms of. But like I said, I, I imagine he'll leave the door open. And would it really surprise you if Boston signed him on the minimum and he was their seventh or eighth defenseman next year? Not if he signed for the minimum and was like a seventh defenseman, right? But I actually uh, think I would go to go wear the spoked B twenty five or thirty times next season as like a healthy scratch fill in. I actually feel like I would be surprised if he signed in Boston, just because I don't know if even depth wise there's a space for him. Like, I, I know I, where you're. I know where you're coming from. I think the organization of Boston has enough respect for the monolith that is Keith Yandel. That they'd carve out a spot for him. Right. I don't know. I mean, I, I you know what? I think that let's remember something about the end of um about the end of the of the Iron Man streak too. Sure. Is he handled himself extremely well. Sure. Like he, he was took probably it. upset. Uh, yeah, he oh sure. But he took it. He handled it really well. And I think, you know what, I think at that given point, if we're really honest about the situation, as much as, you know, because we had this discussion on one of our more recent shows, they didn't owe him anything at that time. You know, they got him to the Iron Man record, and they owed him nothing more than that. Right, they got him and, to the point where Phil couldn't any, break it this season. Right, well, and nobody <laughs> owes anybody anything at this point anyway, right? Right, absolutely not. Like, it's, it's kind of ridiculous to talk about like 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 I like we had that conversation about like what Mike Rupp was saying like glorifying these streaks for participation like Phil Kessel going to play in a game and spe- taking a 10 second shift and then leaving and having a plane waiting so we can go back home just because the streak is still going like to be I, we, fair we, to know. be fair in that particular circumstance it was for the birth of his child it wasn't an injury thing he wasn't circumventing you know actually being hurt or blah 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 like, right 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 <sighs> i get it but at the same you know what i mean but right. 
I think that when Yandel got scratched, it opened up like his eyes a little bit to the possibility that this could be the end. Like, sure. Like, okay. Because while it's going, it's infinite and will last forever. And then right. when it ends, you see the end much closer than when you, you previously re- and he, saw it. And you got to look at, at the way he is, right? Like where, like where he is in life and in his career. He's in, you know, he's 36 years he's old. He's in Kevin Hayes' house. <laughs> well, I hear you, but you know what I mean. But like I'm saying, he, he's got a family. He's 30, like 36. Well, right, and his family didn't move in with him, right? They probably stayed in. Right, which makes it feel like a one-year thing anyway. That's what and, I'm saying. Yeah, like, I, I th- you know, if nothing else, like, for, so first of all, I think he's at peace with the way that everything has ended and the way his career has gone, for one. Sure. Two, and I saw somebody put this out before even all this kind of came out. Um, And I turn you know, I totally agree with this. If it's if it's possible, anyway, or if, if the opportunity exists somewhere, but I totally agree. One of the networks needs to get a hold of him. Well, I don't know if you've listened to the most recent 32 thoughts. I'm sorry, not quite the most recent 32 thoughts. The second most recent 32 thoughts. The weekend, uh, the playoff preview they put out over the weekend. But they talked about the whole Kevin uh, Keith Yandel getting kind of handshakes and hugs in his last game, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And Elliot Friedman mentioned that he hears that there have been discussions from multiple networks and well, Keith Yandel. You tell me that that guy's not a fit for the TNT panel. Right. You put him put, you him, put him right Biz next to Patrick Sharp. Put him next to Biz. Put him next to Just put him on any panel, honestly. Put him on the desk with Biz. That's what I'm thinking. Put him on the desk with anybody. Put him next to Patrick Sharp. Put him next to Chelios and Mar- put him, Messier. Put him put him with anybody. Put him next to Gretzky. Put him next to Gretzky. Actually, I could see a really kind of funny dynamic if he was if he's the guy next to like Rick Tockett. That would be how many fun. how many rec- records does Gretzky have? It's like eighty four of them or something like that. Well, Yandel can go. Hey, we got eighty five records between us. What's the you know? <laughs> um, I don't know if we can go that far with it. I mean, oh, they absolutely would. Yandel absolutely would. Uh, well, well, either way, I would be very surprised. If Keith Yandel's next uh, outlet doesn't begin with a B and end with Arstool. Um, I know why you're, sta- you're saying that. There's a, a look, here's what I would say. I, I still think, because let's put this way, we all know, I mean, Biz does this too, so. There's no reason why he can't be on a network, though. Oh, no, I, I agree. I absolutely think that he is born to be on one of these networks especially I agree. with the looseness of the way that the tnt studio is oh it, it seems very laid back very relaxed i mean let's put it this way and and uh, like i i just think that he, he's got a personality and will chirp people and it's gonna be i want him between the benches <laughs> i i don't know about that that would be pretty I, funny, maybe, maybe not right away give him a couple years in the studio to kind of get comfortable on camera but in two or three years, put him between the benches. Come on. Uh, I mean, but man, regardless, that would be, um, be something if he did. I think that would be something, though. Regardless, um, if this is the end for Keith Yandel, um, he sure did play for the Flyers. <laughs> he did. Look, he did. I, I don't want. I don't want the year that he just happened to take away from his career. Sure. Because at one point in time, I mean, guy was a legitimate All Star player. Guy was um, 
actually at one point in time also because when he, he played for the Rangers for a brief period. I was going to say, here's the thing, though. A lot of his legacy is Rangers, and that's not... I don't even remember him much with the Rangers, to be honest. That was not that long of a period. I think okay. of him... I actually think of him a lot with Florida because he was with Florida for a good chunk, and he played for Arizona for a really good chunk. Yeah, I, I think of him as a Panther, Um but, yeah, his time in Arizona was definitely uh, supremely relevant. You know, I, I think at one point in time, and maybe it was after his, like, maybe it was after his first press conference or something like that when he got signed because we already knew what kind of a personality he was and stuff like that. But I think I did a YouTube search on him. I found this video. Uh, I, I wish I could remember who the hell he's with in the video now that I'm thinking about it. But he was he was still with Arizona at the time, so you got to go way, like, you kind of got to go back. He's with somebody whose name would mean something. Okay, like to to people because like it's it, he's it's not a star player. It's not like he was. It's not like he did something with Shane Doan or something like that. I'm not it's like Clayton that. Keller. No, 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 no. It's old. It's way older. Oh, 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 old. Keller okay. was in the league, and they're doing something where they're trying like trying candies or something like that. Like it's 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 can't it's some sort of like either Canadian candy or something. It feels and, like something he would have done with Derek Stepan <laughs> when he was there. Well, you know what? Now that you, and we're already far enough down this right now. Oh, you're just finding it. Well, I'm gonna just at least search it. Okay. Yeah, no. And for the record, none of my problems around Keith Yandel have anything on planet Earth to do with his personality, with who he is off the ice, with how he 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 seems like a great guy. Seems funny. Seems like he can have a conversation. Seems well spoken. I was able to find it. Now I know why. Can't play defense. I was able to find it. Now I know why the name stood out so much. It was Connor Murphy. Oh, okay. Which okay, so for which by the way, for anybody who does not know, Connor Murphy is the son of Gord Murphy, who used to be the one of the assistant coaches. That's why it right. stood out. But there, it's it, it says American. The video is called "American Coyotes Try Canadian Food." That's funny. And he's eating stuff. He he. By the way, like it, it, let me see if I can get a date on seven years ago. It says wow. So he almost looks unrecognizable because he's got no beard. He looks way younger. Like you're talking about yeah, a guy, I guess at that point who would have been what twenty eight. We got Dad Keith Yandel. He basically showed up wearing Skechers and blue jeans. Right. I mean, it's fun. Like I when I I all I did was type into YouTube Keith Yandel Arizona Coyotes, and the first video that pops up is, and and they're all from the first three are all from the Arizona Coyotes official YouTube channel. How many of them have anything to do with on ice play? One of them does actually. One of them says Keith. One of them, one of them does. One of them is Keith Yandel ties the game for the Phoenix Coyotes, and that LA. tells you what you need to know about Keith Yandel is the uh, fact that out of the top three video results, no, but if you two of them are off the ice. No, but if you need to know anything about the very first one, this says it all. Now that I read the description, okay, because the very first video, which has in parentheses at the end of the title, funny video. Oh, okay, because it was 2015 YouTube. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, Is it in all caps, too? No, it's not. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's it says, Paul Bissonette, Keith Yandel, and Shane Doan with Super Bowl forty eight analysis. <sighs> Imagine that line talking to you on the ice. Holy. And for what it's worth, in the, sc- <laughs> in the screenshot for the video, Shane Doan just looks like he's on another planet. He looks like he got dropped onto another planet. He's laughing hysterically at whatever's going on because Biz is in the middle, like playing host as like you know basically 
what 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 did that video which one did that say eight years ago on that video so okay already already working on his post-playing career because he's hosting this segment i guess and and then yandel's just there and yandel by the way looks like i mean geez he looks even younger than in the other video well right it's older well yes but i mean like it looks like from just that one year he had aged five years uh that's fair and by the time he got to the Flyers, he had aged 15 years. Oof, you ain't like, kidding. Seriously, like, that's what I'm trying to get at. Um, either way. Um, yeah, either way, we, we do wish Keith Yandel the best as he heads towards whatever his next step is. Uh, we don't expect it to be with the Flyers. Uh, it could be retirement. I, well, and for what it's worth, he hasn't officially right. announced yet. So... I don't want to just jump the gun and say, oh, for sure and certain it's, you know, over for him as a player. Sure. But we'll see. I mean, it, it could go a couple different ways here, and I'll, you know, we'll wait for that official announcement because obviously, I mean. I, I imagine we'll discuss that on our next show. Yeah, but one of the interesting things to me, at least to me anyway, is like I'm kind of actually curious about this. If there is a place where he's going to go and do kind of the one-day deal, like just to retire with a certain team, or if he's content with just, hey, I played, you know, I played my last game, and that's the end of that. Like, right. I'm going out when I'm going out. Fair enough. Um, so that's kind of the end of that chapter, right? The, the Keith Yandel chapter has come to a close. We've already talked about the fact that the the Mike Yo chapter has come to a close. It's like we're in an interesting spot. Uh, Chuck Fletcher spoke to the media on Tuesday, and that was kind of the summary of wrap up weekend, right? A locker clean out, and we had people talk to the media, and there are some Ivan Provorov quotes that we might talk about a little bit here. Um. But the big story was Mike Yo, and we talked about that. The other big story is the fact that there's not really another big story. Uh, we don't have a definitive plan, as it were. Um, Mike, or uh, sorry, Chuck Fletcher didn't really give us a whole lot of information. It, it seemed like I, I did read this in your article. It seemed like a lot of hope, right? That's exactly where the, the plan is to happen. hope things get better. I here's the thing. I didn't think that I didn't think that some of what Chuck Fletcher said on Tuesday was necessarily egregious in terms of look, talk about young players, you know, the fact that that's going to be a a key part of the future. Like I I get all that. But there was way too much coming back to First of all, way too much coming back to the three guys that were out throughout the year. You know, right. this hopefully Sean Couturier comes back and is the player that he was before and is healthy all year. Hopefully Ryan Ellis makes an appearance this year. Hopefully, you know, Kevin Hopefully Hayes Ryan Ellis get, remembers where the Wells Fargo Center is. Hopefully Kevin Hayes doesn't get hurt three times a year and keep re-aggravating it. Right? You know what Man, I mean? Kevin Hayes had a tough year. Just all he things did. considered. But here's the, and here's the thing. If like, look, you can't deny that if you have all three of those players at full health and potential and expectations of what they usually are, 
that the Flyers are better as a team than they were at the end of the year. Sure. That's the it's just the truth of the situation. Right. But the issue that I have with all with all of that is is that it's hope. You know, Sean Couturier has missed significant time the last two years. How do you just go into it going, well, you know, we're but we're getting him back. That's great. Are you getting him back for all eighty two? Are you right? But what back? if you're not though? <laughs> well, are no? Are you getting him back for eighty out of eighty two? Because I can live with the bumps and bruises, take him out of the sure, game, taking that of off, absolutely. Like I understand that. But are you getting him back for eighty two? Like eighty out of eighty two? Are you getting Kevin Hayes for that? And at the usual and uh, something you know, I I, I want to say about that is is that like listen, Kevin Hayes played in I believe it was forty eight games this year, and finished with thirty one points which I think is actually kind of incredible when you consider that he missed so much time. He was definitely not the same player at the beginning of the year. Like when he debuted, he was, you know, first of all, he re-aggravated the injury pretty quickly. Then came back again, was very clearly not the, the same player. And then came back again and looked way better than he had all year. Right. Now, he wasn't perfect, and he had games where he didn't look great at all either. But he looked way better, and the points started to come a little more, and so did the goals and things like that. And he, yeah, Kevin like, Hayes at the end of the season looked cl- much closer to the Kevin Hayes in his first season in Philadelphia. Right. Closer. At least closer, correct. And then th- then there's the whole conversation about Ryan Ellis. Now, I, the one thing I will give Ryan Ellis is that now that he spoke, finally, like, I understand the easy joke is he doesn't even exist. Right. I know it's a funny joke. Ha ha. Good for you. Like, he's still a player who's under contract with this team. And now he's addressed what he's going to do in the offseason. Yeah. And I want to focus. I want to focus on. I also want to focus on that because the thing I want to focus on is the fact that he said, now that we've figured it out, we have a plan. Right. Now that we've figured yeah. it out. I'm glad he does. Who does that sound a lot like? Why did it take us 10 months to diagnose an injury? Who does that sound a lot like? Does that sound a lot like the guy he was traded for? Um, or one of the guys he was traded for? I get your point. I'm going to say the words that I have said far too much this year on this show. The misdiagnosis, mishandling, whatever, whatever Ryan Ellis went through this year organizational failure. We've seen it. We -hmm. saw it with Nolan Patrick for three full years. Basically we've seen it with, we've seen it with every single flyer who's ever gotten hurt takes the maximum amount of time possible to come back. Well, the only, no, I'm not disagreeing with you. And Chuck Fletcher addressed that too. And said like, they're going to evaluate all stuff because he, they thought that they, they thought that every player who came back and re-injured himself obviously rushed back. It happened too often. They want to reevaluate that whole process. The question mark that I have to something like that is, based on something that we found out over the course of the time between our last show and now, uh, courtesy of great reporting and a great story from Anthony Sanfilippo at Crossing Broad. Yeah, I was just about to get to that. Is that, you know, gee, it, it sounds to me like it's a little hard for your training staff to do their job when they're battling cancer. When they're working around cancer diagnoses for themselves? Yeah. Because it like, turns out this dumpster fire or, of, or, or, of an organization, this steaming pile of trash, 
decided that they wanted to give all the trainers cancer because they, they put them next to the Zamboni room and didn't properly ventilate it. So they've been getting Zamboni chemicals dumped into their air for 30 years, God knows how long. So now a bunch of them have cancer. Okay, so I, I do want to counter to one thing because it was it, look, it was not done maliciously. I don't think that the when they designed the building, I don't think that they did anything intentional there. The issue is more of the lawyerly way that it was gone about, which is that they're basically not taking any ownership. Sure, for the it. ignorance of it. Right. They're well, claiming ignorance. Like that well, they're they're saying there's no merit to the claim. Which to me which is to say this is not the reason it happened. Evaluate it different, like figure it out differently, right. right? Like or whatever. And quite frankly, you have two big issues with that, which is number one: how often does this happen around the country? Sure. Because any small rink that uses zambonis that are operated off of the this gasoline, diesel, whatever type propane, there's multiple fuel sources that can create this situation. The only one that cannot create this situation is what some places are going to now, which is there's there are electric Zambonis. Okay. So electric, And I imagine I, that's probably the future within the next 10 years or so. Yeah, but probably not happening soon enough because of the fact that, A, it is a luxury product for most places, which, you know, let's put this way. A lot of NHL there teams are, just can't afford. No, it's not even... I don't think it's that NHL teams can't afford it because I think that most of the NHL arenas are operated by those types of of machines, if I'm being honest. But practice facilities, which are not necessarily even owned by the team, but more or less rented, if you will. That's fair. Like, they're smaller operations. And there are plenty of smaller rinks than those, than the one, you know, than the skate zones that we know. Right. That don't have these resources and are forced to use whatever they can afford just to have a good resurfacing machine. You know, a good, or I should say, a good enough one. A serviceable one. Right. Right. Like, it's just the way that it is. And that becomes, you know, that, that doesn't just become NHL players. That becomes every kid who's played peewee, their parents, their coaches, their everything. Like, you start factoring all that in. Then there's also the element of, is it just these two guys at this facility? Or are there more from this very facility? When Jim McCrossin left the team. Mm-hmm. Do I remember hearing about something? I, I believe I remember hearing that there was something big going on, that he was leaving for a reason, and that he was leaving a little bit jaded. Are we? Th- are you thinking of the same, like the right person there? I Jim, might not Jim, be. To because be Jim McCrossin still works for the team. Oh I think no, I'm sorry. I'm not thinking of Jim McCrossin. You're thinking of Derek Settlemeyer. Derek right? Settlemeyer, right? I'm sorry. Right, I don't. When, I think that Derek Settlemeyer would have already had something out about something like this. No, and I'll tell you why. Only because now he is also a co-host of a popular podcast. Right. Well, I think he like would have now, been in on the the lawsuit, quite frankly. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I think fair. that I think he's got a platform where he could voice something about it just as much as anything. That's fair. Like, like you got to realize something about that. Like that. There's an there's a reason why the story is initially reported by a guy who. Not only like and and, and uh, this is the cre- this is credit to Anthony, not to discredit yeah. anything. Who previously worked for the team, also worked as just a general r- writer reporter for years prior to that period. Told a story on his podcast about how Jim McCross and he consulted with Jim McCross and about uh, like elbow pain or, or, or I'm sorry, it was wrist pain, 
and that Jim McCrossin said, come down to the ice level during a game, and I'm having your like I'm having the team hand specialist look at you. And they diagnosed a problem. Like that's Jim that was a, a Jim McCrossin story for you. Sure. To go out of his way to help somebody else because of the fact that they have the resources. Here, we'll get this checked out. And that's a podcast. I like Snow the Goalie, I'm sure like we've mentioned them before on our show. Yeah. You're talking about a guy who used to write for the team and cover the team directly for the team. And You're they've done a couple about, podcasts recently about this whole topic that I strongly suggest you go check out well, if you'd like to learn more about the situation. And I'm going to get into one of those in a second because I'm, I'm also I want to throw in the fact that the podcast also includes a G, a G, an ex team employee twice over. Yep. In in the sense that an ex player and then an ex broadcaster. Um, you know, you got that. If we want to go back to Derek Settlemeyer for a second, he's on a podcast also with an ex-player, ex-assistant coach with the minor league team. Like, there's plenty of connections here where that's the type of outlet where this type of story was really going to fall in because of the fact that anybody who, like, if you're sitting on a, like, with, you're sitting recording with a former player of this team, you know those relationships still exist. It is a brotherhood, and they still talk. Especially right. when you're oh, absolutely. About, well, especially when you're talking about a guy like Jim McCross, even Sal Rafa, who's the other guy and who's the other trainer in the lawsuit. You're, you're talking twenty years of time. If they've been, a, you've been around them at any point. There's a relationship there. So, just because Chris Terrian didn't play beyond a certain point as a flyer, to probably know Sal Rafa personally in terms of hey, I he worked on me. Well, he was broadcasting for the team when the guy was an employee. Right. Like, it, like obviously, you start to know everybody because you have that kind of access river. What I do want to talk about on their previous episode that is a really big deal, and we'll link to it, too, because I think it's fair to link to it. Um, yeah, they started, a Go, they started a GoFundMe account to help support both of the families and the treatments that, and all that stuff. That's because, awesome. You know, because I, I, I'm sure you've listened to the episode by now, the most recent one, where they actually talked to Jim yeah. Uh, about things. And it, that, this was done. It was done in partnership with the, another great podcast. We're just plugging everybody, aren't we? Uh, another great podcast called My Dad Used to Play Hockey, which is Zach Kindrachuk, who, um, you know, obviously, obviously, I think we're all familiar with who his dad is right. in, the, in the My Dad Used to Play Hockey. My Dad Used to Play Hockey segment. That's it'll be Orist Kindrachuk, member, you know, member of the Stanley Cup teams. High level there. hockey name, by the way. Yes, it is. Orist Kindrachuk is a Good hockey name. You know, it, it, I don't know if you recall this at all. I do anyway. When the Phantoms were still in Philadelphia and on TV on occasion, he did color. I do remember that. And he's really good. I mean, he was really good. Very smart guy, obviously, you know, knows the game. Did he do color with Gene Hart? Um, he might, this might be a No, this might be a little later than the like the Gene Hart type stuff at that point. Gene Hart did do play-by-play for Phantoms games in the late 90s up until pretty much right around his passing. Right, but this I'm talking about. This would have been like early to mid 2000s. I think this might have been, like he was even on calls during lockout year Calder Cup. Okay, like Jeff stuff. Carter, Mike Richards, yeah. Sam's team. Okay, um, I'm trying to remember who would have done it with him. Like I can't remember if it would have been something as simple as you know Brian Smith doing it, who obviously works for the Flyers and has for a long time. If there was somebody else who does like. Like I know that right now, and I for the life of me, I'm not going to remember the name of the guy who's doing who does play by play on the network for Lehigh Valley. But Todd Fedorik was doing uh, color at times, 
which okay. is another you know another guy who just kind of keeps the ties local and has a good running gig with with the minor league team and stuff like sure. that. Um but that that's the whole thing like you know and that like like I said I think I think that's a great thing that they've got this thing going for to help support their families and things like that. It was a it's a great thing. We're going to link to it as well because I mean, it's just it, it's self-explanatory why it's why it matters. It was, right. you know, to me, I wrote about this after because the story came out. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I had heard rumblings back in around the January ish kind of time frame that something big was going to emerge around the end of the year. OK, didn't you know now I thought it was off season type of material like. Hey, like this came out while there were still games to be played. Yeah. So I kind of thought it was going to be a little later than this. And, you know, and, and there wasn't really a good, like, a good guideline for what it was going to be. You know what I mean? Like, there wasn't a lot of information out there. It was just that it was something big that was going to kind of rattle the organization. That was the way that it was put to me. Andrei Svechnikov just absolutely demolished somebody. Holy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Holy. That's um, going to be on highlight reels. Guy was swooping around the back of the net, and Svechnikov just lit him up. Holy. Um, sorry. Anyway, I am listening to you. I promise. Oh, I know. It's all good. It's all good. Um, so, th- this obviously, this is it. And I basically I wrote something about the fact that there's been so much because I've written about it enough times. There's so many off ice things that were noisemakers. I mean, how many different things have we talked about that happened off the ice? Yeah, I, I mean, it's the dog pooping at center ice. It's, well, that's what I'm saying. That's a very basic one. Right, it's forgetting like, Ed Snyder's early. birthday. It's right. it's this. Ceremony. It's that. It's a. It's b. I swear to God, if this organization hires Joel Quenville, because we've heard his name in the last couple of weeks, among the, this about, show's going to have the, some among issues. The, among the league, by the way, is what we're saying. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't heard his name uh, related to the Flyers in any significant way, but apparently Joel Quenville is interested in getting another coaching job. And he's exactly the kind of name that good old blank check Dave Scott. <laughs> And again, nothing personal against Dave Scott. He is a representation of the Comcast organization that owns the Philadelphia Flyers, just for the record. But if that's what they want, I would be very surprised. I I would not be very surprised to hear his name. I mean, I can't say I would be surprised either just because it does, you know, it makes it would amount to the same exact thing. I mean, look, let's forget the obvious reason. Like, which, I, not, which already, by the way, is enough. Right. The obvious reason is bad enough why you don't hire a guy like that right now. Like, you just had a year with so much bad PR, it was painful. Uh, right. And the last thing you need is more bad PR because you're going to be the team that goes and inquires about getting him reinstated to coach in the league again, for one. On top of it, he still fits the bill of the coach I would not hire. I agree. Like enough of this stuff like i think that like like i i get this weird sense that they're poised to hire a john tortorella type and just get exactly what i don't know 
I don't want to say get exactly what the fans want because I don't think the fans even know what they want anymore because of the fact that the fans just want competence. I think a lot of your casual fans are okay with a John Tortorella type because he'll be funny, he'll be quippy, he'll get the boys fired up, he'll he'll stir the pot, he'll poke the hornet's nest. I think I think a lot of the fans that pay a little closer attention, people that would be you know listening to a hockey podcast, for example, I think a lot of people know that the team needs somebody a little more patient, a little more of a, honestly, Detroit just announced that they are not renewing Blashell's contract. Right. He's out. He's out. He would be a perfect, perfect head coach for the Philadelphia Flyers, in my opinion. I think he's done a fantastic you know, job grooming their core. And you know what? I haven't really mentioned him only because it's so fresh. Like I kind yep. of still keep rolling off of the list of names that I've already kind of Gnome were probably in contention, but I don't disagree with that. I feel like he Blashill kind of falls right in with the, you know, with the Jim Montgomery, David Quinn kind of crowd. I think he's not a name that you were considering because it's a little bit of a surprise that Detroit's letting him walk. Frankly, um, it isn't. It isn't. Like I, I know where you're coming from. I think that Detroit is starting to think. Well, they're turning the corner. De- Detroit very much is starting to think the Tortorella type as well because now they want like. Do you know? Do you know who I could see going to Detroit? If I'm being totally honest, Paul Maurice. Okay. Oh, okay. Like, uh, I th- for a team that's got really good, legitimate talent and young talent that's going to be there for a long time. Doesn't that just feel like a team that they want to get a coach like that behind now? Like, yeah. I, I, it just feels that way to me. I, I, I you know. That's the type of thing that I see them at right now. Like, Detroit's kind of at a crossroads because, look, nobody in the Eastern Conference came close to making the playoffs if you're not playing tonight or whatever. You know right. What I mean, like, nobody came close. No. But that being said, even if nobody came close, there are teams that are closer than others because they've got either the pieces in place or at sure. least you can kind of count, like, Detroit and the Islanders and teams like that, maybe not even Detroit as much, but the Islanders were there. Columbus was kind of there. Like, there are teams where you can sit there and go within 10 games-ish. Oh, right. Out West, you look at a team like the Ducks. They were in it for a while. The Ducks were in it for a while. I would say Vancouver came back really strong with after the coaching change and just missed. You know, obviously, I don't think anybody's going to discount Vegas for long. No. You no, know, like no. the West is wide open. I mean, Although I wouldn't be surprised if Peter DeBoer loses his job. Just with how Vegas has run their organization, I wouldn't be surprised. Then DeBoer would be an interesting coach for one of those other teams as well. Like DeBoer it, would be if he lost his job, he would be an. Interesting Vegas coach. is also one of those teams, by the way, that I think would get Quenville. I could see that. Oh, I could see that. And, and they're just gonna be Darth Vader. They're just gonna go full blown WWE style. They're going full heel turn. Just full-blown Hogan and, dropping and, the leg at Batch at the Beach 96. And become the most hated team. In, yep. Uh, yeah. I, I wish I could disagree with you, but it keeps shifting that way because, man, you, like it, you know what? It felt um, there were, it felt very interesting that, like, that when Vegas missed the playoffs officially – there was almost like this. Oh, the whole league. Like, the whole league cheer. There was this, at last. Like, yep. the Ding expand- dong, the witch is dead. Right, witch like, old witch, the wicked witch. 
Oh yep. man, it was. It, it's really funny how we're like discussing that like that. Yeah. Think about it. And they're an expansion team. They're in like their fifth year of existence and the right, entire the, league already hates them. Was like wasn't there a big difference when they like they make the Stanley Cup final the very first year they're in existence compared to like like when you see Seattle this year, everybody looked at Seattle and went, Oh yeah, that's what an expansion team looks like. Did you see the um uh, the San Jose Sharks put a message on their, their scoreboard the night after Vegas got eliminated? And the, the first letter of every word spelled out F Vegas. Oh, did it really? Oh, yeah. They, they, it was just like some random message, some random customer service message. I saw something about it a little bit. I think. But, I think by the way, this Carolina-Boston game is absolute bedlam. Brad so, Marchand's going at it with the goalie. Carolina's on a two-man advantage. This game is mayhem. Game Sorry, is- I love the playoffs. This game might get out of hand. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of playoffs, let's get into our playoff predictions um, because, I, I mean, I'm going to look very stupid in about a uh, minute because well, I'm going to stick with my initial. P- well, before we get off of the what's the offseason plan because we said kind of lax it, it's just hoping yeah. against hope on a lot of things. Like, I don't want to discount what the team did down the stretch for certain players. Like, Sure. Like, like here's the thing. After the, the last home game that I went to, I was, I was unfortunately, I should, dis, you know, dis, full disclosure, I was under the weather for the the better part of the last um, pretty much all of last week. So when Friday rolled around, out of you know out of courtesy for my uh, colleagues who were basically it's like getting ready for summer vacation. I wasn't exactly going to pass along anything that I had to them as we're departing for the uh, end of the season into the off season, right? So, um, the last home game I went to was the Sunday game against Pittsburgh. And it was at that given point in time as I'm watching some of the younger players on the team that I cannot envision this team next year on opening night without Noah Cates on the roster. I agree. He looks that good, and I don't see any reason that he should not be part of this team at the NHL level start, going forward starting next year. Like That's big, that's, and that's big praise out of you. I, I know we, we kind of looked at a lot of these guys and said, all right, well, Let's look at this with a grain of salt. They're coming in at the end of a right. poor season. They're going to get a whole lot of ice time. The guys are going to have a chance to really step up and shine. Right. Now, I but don't we, wanna... we had pretty low expectations at everybody. We got a lot of right. medium p- draft picks, unsigned now, free agent kind of guys. Right. Now, I don't want to just heap praise onto everybody. Like, I just did, you know, one of the things I'll, I'll tease here is that, you know, I just did the O&B podcast before just coming another, on here. Another podcast we're mentioning. We love it. I know. Um, yes, but I'm, you know, I'm a friend of their show at this point. Sure. It's a little different. Um, we, I ran down, like we ran down like every young recent college signing, whatever you want to look at kind of thing. Right. And like, like Ronnie Adderd, for example, had moments, but needs the AHL. Sure. He's developing. Bobby Brink had moments, but probably needs some AHL time, maybe a little less than, like I, like I compared, I think Bobby Brink might need to go on the Joel Farabee. I was going to say, I could see him doing the Joel Farabee. Go put up four points in three AHL games that, well, and come right back up. You know, you know what I compared it to? I, I, I compared, what I said about Bobby Brink was that I, it wouldn't shock me if he had a Joel Farabee moment where like, hey, early in the year, 10 games in, look how well he's doing at that level. We have no choice. Call him back up. But I think what they were going to do with him is more of the Morgan Frost path, which is whenever he would get sent down, he's got to see the puck go in the net. Got to right. start seeing production at that level because it wasn't completely happening here. He came close. 
He doesn't have a goal yet, but he came close. And yeah, well, and here's the thing here is all of this is speculation because all of this depends on exactly how much uh, band-aiding Chuck Fletcher does over the summer. Like, how many guys do we go out and sit, sign? How many panic trades are there? How many... Like, the, the roster could look fundamentally different. You know, guys we've talked about before, we've talked about um, Travis Konechny potentially leaving. You know, I, I know you kind of have it in your head still. We've talked a lot about this. Right. The, the roster could look dramatically different. Yes and no. And I'll tell you why. Because if you're, look, as hopeful as it is, and while hope, hope is not a plan, you right. know, but as hopeful as they are, if you're banking on Ryan Ellis to come back next year and hopefully be the player that you envisioned that he would be and hopefully see the effects of what he can do. Yeah, and we're going to talk about his uh, presumed defensive partner in just a second. Well, here. that's what I'm saying mm-hmm. on his effect on Ivan Provorov. Mm-hmm. Well, then how is Ivan Provorov not part of this team? Like, why would you trade Ivan Provorov unless you're floored by an offer? Right. Why would you just willingly trade him because you know, or like trade him in the event that like your whole point of what bringing Ryan Ellis into Philadelphia was for, which was let's see them together. Well, you got four games of that. And if your anticipation (laughs) is that he's going to play next year from the start of the year, potentially, then you've got to at least give it a, got to give it a try. Yep. So why would you move him in the off season? Now let's go to another guy who's on the blue line. Before, okay, before we do that, I do want to mention Ivan Provorov's comments to the media because uh, wrap-up day was pretty low event. You know, everybody kind of knew what was going on. Guys were kind of packing their stuff and getting out as quick as they could. Ivan Provorov had some opinions. Uh, the big quote that stood out, and this is a direct quote from Ivan Provorov, uh, no matter what I say, you guys are going to give me your own grades. It doesn't matter. You're all experts in hockey, so you're going give to me, give me all your super experienced grades. I don't think my opinion really matters to you guys. And I'm not going to read too much into it because it's it's a young player who's frustrated with a tough season mm-hmm. and, quite frankly, still hasn't been given a reasonable defense partner. And it's one of those things. I agree with what you're saying about giving Ivan Provorov a chance to play with Ryan Ellis and seeing what you got out of that top pair. In terms of player asset management, Mm-hmm. I I don't think Ivan Provorov is the happiest Philadelphia Flyer at the moment. Look, he has every right to vent frustration because he had a bad year, and I think yep. he knows it. He which he knows it for the second straight year. He knows all of that, and I think that that's just a situation where emotions got the better of him. The thing that I brought into question when I wrote about it was. If this is just at a question from the media, a fair question from the sure. media, what happens when someone's pressing you accountability-wise, crit- critiquing you, you know, any criticism your way, any adversity your way? What's your response in the room? Because obviously, like, I'm not in the room anymore. Like, we weren't right. in the room as media members to see body language from people who we're not talking to sometimes, right? Right. So what's your attitude like when things like that happen, when you've lost 10 in a row and you're committing bad turnovers? Is that your response? Well, you're an expert. I'm like, that worries me. That's the thing that worries me. Yeah, I hope 
I hope that's not the case. Right. Ivan Provorov is one of the guys that we've talked about as a leader on this team. We, you know, we've seen him pick up a letter from time to time. Did he wear a letter full time this season? Pretty much. I Pretty think. close, especially after like Sean Couturier went down and there was just a, an extra A floating around. I believe Ivan Provorov's the one who picked it up. And we've talked before about the attitude in the room, and I've I've mentioned Kevin Hayes before, and if. If the vibes are bad, something might have to change. And if if that's where Ivan Provorov's at, if if he's done with this organization, I'll be honest, I can't really blame him. They haven't done sure. a great job of supporting him. But if he's done giving this organization a hundred percent, then it's time to move on. Right. And like I mean- we we've I, I we've only ever seen a hundred percent from Ivan Provorov, so I'm not. I'm certainly not sitting here suggesting he right. slacked off, or you know, there's well, any sort of you know whatever. Well, and that this is the key to a trade involving him. If you were to do it, you better recoup what you think is fair value, because whether you traded a player like Ivan Provorov and got the exact direct replacement, hey, here's another guy who's capable of playing 25 minutes a night and all in the same kind of role. Or it's a forward who has the higher-end skill that you lack completely, you know, all that stuff. If somebody offers you the package, the Flyers traded away for Rasmus Ristolainen, would you trade Avon Provorov? A first, a second, and a fifth or sixth defenseman, you know, in Robert Hag. I don't know. Okay. Like, I, 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 I don't know if that's quite wow enough. You know, that's what I, like... To, to me, at this point in time, I don't think that's wow. And especially when, like, here's the thing. I think that after, like, either during this next season or after next season, oh, he's on full watch because if it's not working with Ryan Ellis, then you're in trouble. Yep. But I think that all of the stuff that's come out about Ellis in the last couple of days changes things just a little bit for him. Like, Hopefully. Well, like, there's a big difference if you don't have, like, because Provorov's not that guy by himself. Right. We know this now. Sure. Um, if you're coming out and going, listen, we don't even know what Ryan Ellis's future is, then I think you're shopping Ivan Provorov. Okay. I don't think you're shopping Ivan Provorov when you go, well, listen, Ellis is going to go through this process. There's a plan in place. We expect him back for training camp. Like, now you're sitting here kind of talking about moving forward with the same process that you were supposed to have this year. Right. That's the difference. I, I kind of, like, feel this. I still feel the same way. You know, because again, among players that we've talked about enough times, it could be trade bait potentially. Like right. I feel the same way with Travis Sanheim. Well, first and, of all, first of all, Sanheim was the deserving winner of the Ashby Trophy because he was the only one who was <laughs> consistent enough to probably win the thing. Fair. All in all, I mean, here's the thing: if you want me to pick the guy who probably deserved to win it ultimately, if everything was the way that it was for the entire season, let's just say. It's probably Justin Braun. I was going to say it's probably Justin Braun, but it's hard to accept that award like, from well, New York. They, well, then they're not. They don't. They don't even let you vote for people. I, think. I know. Like they, like I get it. Well, and that that brings me to my other point: is going into next season, we we can hear the, all the hope we want about Sean Couturier being healthy and Ryan Ellis being healthy and Carter Hart continuing to bounce back and Ivan Provorov looking good. You still have to replace Claude Giroux. Like, that production isn't coming from Scott Lawton as much as we love him. It's not coming from Noah Cates. It's not coming from Bobby Brink or any of these guys coming in. Where are you, where, where are you replacing this point-per-game player 
that Claude Giroux roughly was. Right. I mean, good luck with that, too. Like, You know, the Sean Couturier contract kicks in next year. Right. <sighs> the Joel Farabee contract kicked in this year, right? So that stays the same. Or does that it might, kick in no, next year? No, that might kick in next year, too. Right. That kicks in next year. There's the Claude money gone. Where's the Claude production coming from? I think Farabee can give you some of it because I, think I agree. I think Farabee at times got really beat up. Like I, all this stuff, he he missed time obviously with an injury for a little bit, and then toward the end of the year was just getting beat around too. Like I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know I like Joel Farabee. I think Joel Farabee ends up as a thirty-plus goal scorer. I could see him touching forty at some point in his career. I don't think that happens if you're going to force him to play center like we saw from him out of the last 20 or so games. I think that experiment's over anyway. I, I certainly hope I so, he, and I, I think he performed admirably in it. Like, I think he did the best he could with the situation well, he had, was given. They had all sorts of options to try because they had barely any. They barely it, had enough forwards to dress It line. felt like a juniors team where right. the, your best player just plays center because he's your best player, and sure— that's what the last three weeks of the season felt like. It felt like Joel Farabee and just a ragtag bunch of garbage, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, I got gotcha. you. I mean. All right. Like, can we please talk about hockey that's actually fun now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. look, all I'll say to wrap up the offseason stuff or the start of the offseason is that, look, we're going to be here for whatever happens. Draft, free agency, any trades, all that good stuff like We'll see where it goes. I just don't get the sense that they have much of a plan of doing it, like of anything. Not to mention that I don't think that they have a lot of options. I mean, I, the point I was trying to make when I brought up Travis Sanheim or was trying to go to Travis Sanheim is is you got five of your six defensemen already on the roster. Yep. Like if you don't move Provorov because you want to see him with Ellis, well, there's one. Sanheim, why would you do anything with him when Ristolainen likes playing with them, which right. you've already committed to him? And he was, you know, let's put this way. I think that Sanheim was the Ashby Award winner and then voted most improved by his teammates for a reason. I agree. And then, oh, by the way, Cam York is probably a full-time NHLer next. Cam York is a full-time NHLer next year. I only say probably because of the fact that I don't feel as definitively about it as I do, like, at forward. Morgan Frost is an NHL player. Owen Tippett's an NHL player. They have kind of graduated from the AHL. Owen Tippett is a solid player. I expect him to be in the middle to top six next year. Okay, here's here's the thing, and I said this on OMB as well, so I'm gonna this we'll make this one of sure. the last points with the, with Owen Tippett because he's he's got to finish. You're getting great chances. You got to finish. He can't Good. he can't yep. top out at ten goals, ten to twelve goals, and thirty points or whatever. Or, or maybe it's even less than that, 10 to 12 goals and 20 some odd point. Like, he can't right. top out at that for a year. Like, if nothing else— To be else, fair, I, it wasn't the whole year for him. Right, well, I know, and we'll see how he fits even more going forward. But here's the thing for me with him. The last game of the season, I'm sure you saw this, that goal is it, okay? You set up shop in the Ovechkin spot on the yep. power play and start unleashing. And just the spot. bang. And you should be able to get 10 goals doing that. Yep. Like, th- that to me... It's, was... it's really ironic. Yeah. Claude Giroux occupied that spot for a decade. Mm-hmm. The ironic part is, before. if he had a guy like Owen Tippett there, he would have picked up a lot more power play points. 
Well, yeah. Now the only thing that's different is he like he would have either had to play on his off wing, which would have been the other. You know, he would either either played on the other side, or he wouldn't have been like in that bumper spot at the you know in the slot. He probably would have been the guy below the goal line. I don't even mind him as the guy at the top directing traffic. I mean, you know, well, you know what that says. This is why teams are going with the five forward power play. Or if you have a, a defenseman on it, it's a big guy. It's Headman. It's a Chara well, type. It's a, you know. Or or if you have a defenseman on it, sometimes for because of the fact that you expect your power play to be so dominant in that respect that all that another, like, you expect your power play to be so dominant that it, it's not going to go the other way because they're not going to have any gas. Right. You stand the big defenseman in right net Right in front of the net. That's what I'm saying. Right. Like, uh, you know, but that's, you know, where guys play is is something for another time. But, like, I love the fact that that's how Owen Tippett scored a goal in that game. I agree. Because I looked at that and I went, that's everything. That's the shot is advertised. That's a great spot for him on a power play. And, like. It was a nice do, shot. Do, it was a good do, release. Like, do that five, ten times a year, please. Yep. You know, and you'll be a good. <laughs> And you'll be a good player at that point. Like you'll. I'd like to see that fifteen times a year. Well, yeah, I'm trying to keep expectations low. But, yeah. But like, still, like he got. Did he score some goals? Sure, he did. Did he get an awful lot of chances? Yes, he did. But here's the thing: uh, you can't have a guy like that who you're gonna like. He was the big. You can't deny it. He was the big piece that came back in the Claude Giroux trade. Yep. If that's the case, he cannot be a guy who goes and has two, three, four opportunities a game, good ones. And come away no- with nothing. You know, like if you're we, gonna get four scoring chances. You gotta find a way to bury one. We mentioned the OV spot, and we mentioned the Claude Giroux trade. I think we start our playoff preview with the Washington uh, <laughs> Washington Capitals Florida Panthers matchup. Now, we are doing this after all the games won. Game ones have been played, and during a couple of game twos. So, uh, Kevin, I want your your real honest pre series <laughs> prediction. And well, then I, I want your I, current prediction. Well, here's okay. I'm not changing anything because it's only been one game, so I'm not changing. Sure. Um, here's the thing. I tweeted my pre-series predictions, so they are written down. I cannot change them. They were put into the public at at Kevin underscore Darso. Yes, they were. Um, so here's where I am at, and I'm going back to just get that full list for you. There it is. I was gonna say, just if you want to just rattle them off, uh, we can well, just go series by series. Well, here no, I'll just... start where you. I'll start where you wanted to start because okay. that's a good place to begin. Because we can talk more in detail about them now too. Because we are gonna, like that. That's why we did the first hour was flyer stuff. Now we're shifting over. We're gonna do like yeah. a half hour of this, and we're calling it quits. Um, all oh, right, we so can't go that in depth. We got to keep moving. <laughs> well, we're, we're not going that in depth. We're not. We're not gonna go that crazy. Okay. Yet. Um. I'm not like this isn't looking good for me because my prediction did not reflect the game one result at all. I'll be honest. I had Florida in five and I'm keeping it. I had Florida in five as well. I don't know if I feel as confident anymore, but Washington Florida wins the series. Washington came out and won their first game last year and then lost four straight. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. Florida is in a unique spot because of the fact that you well, first of all, you know, and I don't want to make it seem like because I didn't really catch a whole lot of that game. It was one of the few that I didn't really catch a whole lot of time. I obviously I know Claude Drew scored a goal, right. but I did not know a whole lot about it. Look, there's going to be a lot of people who, especially if they're not winning games, like they've lost game one now. The playoff Bobrovsky talk is going to come out again if he keeps, oh, yeah. if they keep losing. It's just going to happen. Yep. But 
they're they're just too loaded with talent for me to get worried. Okay. I, I didn't. I didn't fair. like the way Washington played coming into the playoffs either. I give them credit for finding a way to win that game, but I feel like Florida's talent is just too much. I agree. I, I think Florida wins the series in five. I don't think. I here's the thing about playoff Bobrovsky, hmm. is if it gets bad enough, Spencer Knight comes in. Well, and, yeah. I mean, I, look. If, if they find, if they, I don't know if it's if they fall down two zero in the series potentially, but like, I got to imagine at it, some point there's going to be a pressure point where they have to go there if that's the case. Right. The leash is not infinitely long. Sergey Bobrovsky is not. They're not confident enough with him to leave him in by hook or by crook. You know. Mark Andre Fleury with the Pittsburgh Penguins style, or he's staying in even if he's giving up eight, nine, ten goals. I, that's not happening. It's they're going to go to Spencer Knight because Spencer Knight was spectacular all season, and for t- periods of the season looked like he might steal the job from Bobrovsky. And if Bobrovsky wasn't making ten million dollars a season, mm-hmm. Spencer Knight might have stolen that job. And moving forward, right. they might be a they might be a forty forty team. In terms of goalie oh, yeah. starts, I, I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all because, but, well, but here's the thing. Why wouldn't that, you keep him healthy? Well, well, yeah, well, not only that, but here's the thing: Bobrovsky makes a ton of money. Knight is a really good goaltender who doesn't make a lot of money. Why the hell not? You know, yep. it's right Absolutely. there for you. It's right there. Um, yeah, I, I, look, I don't know if I'm as confident in saying it's still going to be five, but I, that's uh, fair. But I still feel like Florida is the team that's going to be like. All they need to do is win the next one, and I think everybody's right back on board with what they can do. But if I, they go down, they go down two zero, then people are going to get worried. But. If there are any questions after game one, like a big dominant four one type performance will answer a lot of those questions. And I, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't imagine Florida. It, it's going to be a blip in the road. <laughs> when well, they're, you know what? Look, when they're three well, rounds deep, nobody's going to remember that they lost game well, one to Washington. And and look who didn't do anything really in the first game. You know, Huberdo held off the board. Barkov held off the board. Like that'll click eventually. I mean, sure. you know, like it's got to. So, you know, I'm not surprised. Like I won't be surprised if they come out the next game and just roll. Okay. Uh, what series you want to talk about next? You want to keep it in the Whatever East you, and go? Let's stay in the East for sure, wherever yeah. you want to take them. Uh, let's go with the teams playing together. We'll go with the Rangers-Penguins because they're playing on the same night. as. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's fair. So Rangers-Penguins. Uh, Pittsburgh currently up one nothing. They won an absolutely spectacular triple overtime hockey game. Like I'll, I'll be honest. My favorite thing about the playoffs is the overtime. Uh, and it's not just the fact that it's five on five, 20 minutes, sudden death. I like I like the subtle changes. I like no commercial breaks. I like the intermissions being slightly shorter. It brings a desperation. It brings a hunger. Right. Look, I, I, that this is the best part of it. We almost, I mean, there were a couple games that came really close to getting overtime in the for on the first night. Yeah. You know, um or not came close. I shouldn't I was say, say that, it was really only Kings Oilers that was a, no no no. You know what it was? No, you know what it was? It was because Carolina Boston was scoreless for a long time, and you're going, oh wow, what a tight game this is. It might be really low scoring, and then, um, you know, and then there was really only the one, and I, I thought we might be getting overtime with Kings Oilers, and then LA scored with about what five minutes left. I think it was crazy. Yeah. Um. So you're starting me off. You're starting this off by making me look bad. Because these are the two that I, I look the most foolish with in my predictions. Okay. 
Um, because I don't have I have the Rangers winning the series. Okay. I took the Rangers in five. Really? Okay. So I don't think there's any world where this is a short series. I don't think there's any world where this goes less than six. Okay. Do you want to know why I picked this? Okay. I actually literally texted it to somebody, my reasoning, which was a pretty simple one. No Jari, no chance. That was my reasoning. Yeah, and we'll talk about Carolina-Boston. I had pretty similar justifications for that series. Uh, in this series, I agree. Um, I think the goalie thing is tough. I th- I don't actually remember. I think I had the Rangers in seven because it's just really hard to pick Pittsburgh for me, just well, in know. general. Um, so Rangers, if I'm giving full disclosure, the Rangers are my dark horse team. Kind of okay. in the interesting. Okay. I'm not, pick, I'm not picking them to go all the way or anything like that, but they're a team that I'm I'm really keen on in this playoff. I'm curious if we'll still be talking about them on our next show because our next yeah, show I mean, should I be. I will be too. Yeah, either the end of the current round or you know, kind of preview for round two. This this could work out sure. really well. Yeah, I mean, um, we'll see what happens, but um, yeah, so I don't, you're look, you're, you're holding the Rangers. Are you holding five games or? Oh, probably at this point, probably not. Just because, like, here was the thing. Because the thing that I got was, is like, come, like, you, it's tough to bet against Crosby in the playoffs. Which right. I get. Like, and and look, Crosby didn't even have heavy involvement. Like, he wasn't even on the ice for the game winner. That was all. You know, was you're John, not a hockey all- fan. You're not a hockey fan if you're telling me you don't want to see Rangers Penguins Game Seven in the Garden. Oh, I mean, look, it would be spectacular. I really just thought that the goaltending situation was going to catch up to Pittsburgh quick. Okay. And it didn't in game Casey one. Casey DeSmith looked spectacular in game one. Right. I mean, look, I – you can't – yeah, you just can't deny what they did. And if – if look, if I, I'll be glued to game two because if game two goes in Pittsburgh's favor, then the noise is just going to get louder. Yep. Like, yeah, and like Casey is, DeSmith but... stopped 46 of 47, and then Louis Domingue stopped 17 of 17 That's in crazy. that game. That was the crazy thing to me. Have you what? heard that he had a meal of spicy pork after the first overtime? Yep. Oh, absolutely I did. The, it, but that was the thing that was crazy to me. I'm sitting there going, oh, my goodness, that he's coming in in the middle of the second overtime. Cold. 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 These two teams have been playing for 85, 90, 90 minutes. 90 minutes? And they, he's coming in. They've played a full soccer game. Ridiculous. And then it, and and it somehow or other didn't end. Louis Domingue gets major major credit to, for coming oh, in cold in a situation where there is no wiggle room. Right. Like a lot of times you come in as a backup goalie and if you give up a quick one, okay, fine, there's still game left. We got time or you're down so bad already it doesn't really right. matter. Now, you're coming in in double overtime of playoff game one. Like, right. hello. Now, obviously, obviously, we're going to have to see what their situation is game two and beyond. Because, I mean, look, I, I don't like their chances anymore. If I they're, know. No, if, if, they're, if, if they're down two. two. Well, if they're down two goalies. Right. I mean, let's be real. But, like. All right. Well, since we're talking look, goalie, uh, since we're talking goalie injuries, let's go to Boston, Carolina. <laughs> okay. Uh, because I, I mentioned it a little bit. I mentioned it to you before the show. Carolina is currently on their third goalie. Freddie Anderson, it was announced before the series started that he was going to miss at least most of it, maybe Mm -hmm. all of it. Um, So we. I I think everybody stuck to the first two games. Okay. He was going to miss at least the start of the series. And so the Hurricanes started with Antti Ranta, and he looked fantastic in game one. 
And game two starts, and about eight minutes into the game, David Pasternak makes contact with him, and he ends up going out. Uh, I don't believe he has returned to the game. I believe he's done for the night. He is done for the night. Okay. Um, We get into kind of a similar situation, right? Boston is down 2 nothing. I imagine going into the third period of this game, I imagine they're going to be looking for a pound of flesh to try to even things out a little bit. But Uh, now Carolina, it's through two periods. They're into the third. Carolina's up 4-1. Right, I know it's four one, so okay. it certainly looks like we're heading towards two nil oh, okay. in the series. Yeah, because it's gonna looking like two zero in the series, they're gonna be looking to. I imagine Boston's gonna be looking for a pound of flesh to try to even things up heading back to Boston. It's gonna well, be interesting. I'll I will admit here on a as far as a series prediction goes. Well, and here's, by the way, one of the things I want to bring yeah. up really because you mentioned the hit on uh, the hit by Svechnikov. Have you seen it? Uh, well, I ha- yes, I have seen it, and Hampus Lindholm's the guy who was on the receiving end. He's yeah. done. He's done for the night. I'm not surprised at all. Um, uh, I'm trying to see. Wait, what did they say? The that hit was a you- monster. I. But either way, they listed the injury. But okay. Uh, but either way, I will admit I did have Carolina or uh, Boston winning this series. I had it in six games because I looked at the goaltending situation and I said, okay, I know Carolina's a good team. I think Boston can grind them out. I think Boston can take advantage and really pepper their goalie and get in their goalie's kitchen and make things physical. And I'll take a little bit of credit for getting that right. But as it sits, Carolina's still beating them, right? They, they won game one pretty convincingly. They're on their way towards a game two victory, it looks like here. Mm-hmm. It's hard It's hard to pick against Carolina at this point. I'm, I'm sticking with Boston because that was my original pick, but if I was making a new bracket right this second, I'd probably be picking the Hurricanes. I've I had Carolina in six from the start, so okay. I still like it. I had Boston going to the conference final, so yeah. that doesn't look fantastic no, at the moment. I, I still have I still I'm sticking by that Carolina in six. I, I had a Toronto Boston conference final. It was going to be fun. <laughs> uh, well, that brings us to that series, doesn't it? Toronto, it does Tampa. bring us to that series, Toronto Tampa. Now. Uh, again, we have the hindsight of game one, so it you know it's silly not to talk um, about it. We have hindsight of game one, and then we got game two in front of us, too. Which and is- that game is much less over than game one was. Uh, game it one, Toronto game. ends up winning 5 nothing. Jack Campbell with a playoff shutout also looked fantastic in that game. Honestly, the Maple Leafs played pretty close to perfect hockey. And John Cooper said afterwards that they they didn't really need to play all that well to beat Tampa on that given night. John Cooper doesn't think they played their best. But I think Toronto played pretty close to their best and really just put together a flawless playoff performance. Yeah, and then what, Tampa's returning the favor, it looks like. It certainly seems, Um, though. Yeah, this this series, these two teams are too good. It's not going to be a short series. Oh, not at all. It's not. You know, now, do you remember my rule of thumb from last year's playoffs? Is it when in doubt, pick the home team? No, no, no. My rule of thumb when it came to seven-game series, if I had a series going seven. Okay. It, it means that I'm, like, I can see both sides winning. So right. It's tough to I do remember that. And I'm not, like, like, there's, like, it's one thing if the Penguins win this series and I said Rangers in five, I'm dead wrong at that point. I don't feel so bad when I pick a team in seven and go, oh, well, it went seven anyway, and the other team. Like, I, I, could, I saw a path for the other team to win the series. So I had no doubts in my mind this was going to be a long series. Immediately went Who seven. you got? Maybe surprisingly, I've got Toronto. I've got Toronto in six. Okay. 
I agree. I think it's, and maybe this is just a side effect of listening to too much Steve Dangle. <laughs> but I, this version of the Leafs looks like they're reaching their final form. Like it is looks you- like they're mature. It looks like they're ready to go. Um, they have the appropriate amount of grit, right? We saw Kevin or Kyle Clifford in game one. Right. Uh, he is sitting out game two because he is serving a suspension. I don't think he was going to be in the lineup game two anyway, quite frankly. Uh, we've seen Wayne Simmons get involved physically. We've we've seen some physicality out of Toronto. We've seen some goal scoring. We've seen some goaltending. Does this have to do with what I sent over after? I guess it was after the Toronto Flyer game at the end of the year from his video. Which one? From Dangle's video, because yeah, Dangle, yeah, which which part are you talking about? Well, because like I I just sent a picture, a screen grab of the video of him on camera, and the quote was, "Why couldn't they be worse? They're so clearly good. It's upsetting how clearly good they are." It's fair. It was so funny to watch because I'm that like, "Oh funny. my god, this is like this was gold." I mean, it was so funny. All right, let's let's head out west and hit this series before we wrap. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna go in the order that I perceive least interesting to most interesting. And, you know, (laughs) you can tell me if you disagree. Okay, whatever you want to do. Uh, Avs Predators. Okay. Uh, Colorado won game one seven to two. I have Colorado in four, quite frankly. I couldn't go so far as to give anybody a sweep. There's always one. I had to predict one. I know, and that's why I had three that were five-game series because I'm like, oh, somebody's going to just roll here. I mean, let's let's not forget that Daryl Sutter famously said this season, whoever gets Colorado is going to waste eight days because uh, yeah, I have Colorado in five. Be, You're and, just going to be eight days late well, to your golf trip. Okay, and here, so here's you want to know what I'll, I'll level with you on this one because you said, do I have any current updates to to it or whatever? I was watching that game last night, and I wished I could revise my pick to Colorado in four because I'm like, wow. Okay. That's 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 such a lopsided affair, especially now that UC Soros is not able to play right yeah, now. Yeah, we're done it here. It totally turned the thing around, and I mean, what what game was it? Colorado played? It wasn't it, it wasn't Vegas. It would be two because Vegas was better. Um, was it was it whoever Colorado played in the first round of last year? I wish I could remember who the hell it was off the top of my head. But they just went out and steamrolled a team in game one. Right. Like, McKinnon looked like like out of a video game, and McCarr was doing crazy things. Like, it was just some stupid stuff. Was it St. Louis? Nah, I don't think it was St. Louis, because I thought St. Louis was better than that. I'll look it up really quick. Because okay. they had a well, game one like this. And right. I don't even think they won the series, if I'm being honest. Uh, last year was also the weird division year. Yes. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna look up playoffs really quick because last year's play during last year's playoffs. And then yeah, I really don't think we need to spend a ton of time on the series because I think Colorado is walking through it, and you know they're gonna have four or five days to rest no, up for well, whoever. Okay, it was against Vegas. They it steamrolled was Vegas. Vegas in the first game, seven to one. Also, like or right. seven to one instead of seven to two. Um, but yeah, like. Just because Colorado rolled in game one does not mean it's a clean sweep that easily. Yeah, but, but Nashville's not as good not, as Vegas was no, last year. Right. This is not Vegas right. from last year. This is Nashville. Vegas had some injuries last year and ended up sneaking into the playoffs, but they were one of those like wild card that's too good to be a wild card type situations. Oh, yeah. 
Um, okay, moving on. Um, Oilers Kings. Uh, I'll be honest. Yep. I had Oilers in five here. Okay. Um, after game one, you know, the LA Kings obviously won. That makes it a little more difficult for, for Edmonton to do that. But we don't have to go super deep into this because we'll see if it still holds true in a week and a half during our next show. Right. But it seems like there are more penalties being called this year. And it seems like the officiating is a little closer to kind of that regular season style. Sure. Uh, and if that's the case, Connor McDavid should have some success. We saw him kind of walk through the whole Kings team in game one to make that game 2-1. My lord, that was the best player on earth doing best player on earth things. Uh, well, as as he did in game one. because That's what I'm saying. Game. That's the one I'm talking about. Um, so I could see him doing that more as the series goes on, as, as long as the whistles don't go away, sure. um, like we um, always well, see in the playoffs. Well, it's nice that we're on to this one before game two starts. I agree. We really kind of can hit this before we're too deep into the series. Um, I, I have Edmonton coming back and still winning the series in five or six at this point, by the way. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm scarred by this team. You going to L.A.? Are you dumping oh, chip? Yeah. I, I have L.A. in six. And Man, I'll does think- Connor McDavid finally ask for a trade out of Edmonton? <laughs> I don't know about that. But, like... It- can I let me just the say conversation this, will happen. Let me just say this much off of this. I'm like I said, I'm scarred by this team in terms of what happens in the playoffs with them. I was the least bit surprised when they lost game one the way that they did. And I don't know. I feel really good about that pick LA okay. in six because Interesting. there's something about it. Like I'm like, there's just something about the way that the, game like the series could progress because of how game one went that makes me think that that prediction could actually hold up okay that's the way i feel about that one i like okay well here's the thing one of the things for me i'd love to see mcdavid make the second round who wouldn't you know but uh, man that that series would that that against the ducks a couple years ago oh yeah so much fun but that la team is better than people think yep and I, I just get the sense. Philip Deneau is going to make <laughs> himself a household name during this series. If Philip Deneau starts having the playoff success he had last year and does not bring back the pizza bit, I'm walking. Okay. I hate, like, I'd hate it. Please Fair bring enough. back the pizza bit, <laughs> Philip Deneau. I, I am begging you. Okay. All Moving right. On. Two more series to get through here. Uh, so we got two series left, and I told you I was organizing them least interesting to most interesting. So which okay. one do you think I'm going to bring up next? You're going to come up. You're going to come next to Calgary and T- and Dallas. I am, I am, because I'm saving that Central Division rivalry matchup for oh, last because yeah, I think that's sure. a good one. Now, if I told you before Game One, now mm-hmm. Kevin, you and I both place a, you know a sports bet or two now and then. Yes. If I told you the under minus 1.5 would cash in that game, would you have believed me? No, not at all. Okay. You bet the under 1.5 on, you know, your sports bet of site, your sports betting site of choice. I wouldn't have bet under one and a half for for the total for the game. Right. I wouldn't have bet on, I don't think I would have bet under three and a half. Right. Like, come on. And we have the... Calgary Flames featuring a line of 340 goal scorers or featuring 340 goal scorers in their lineup. I don't know if they all play together. uh, Managed to put up one goal 
And the Dallas Stars well, managed to put up zero goals. Well, so I, I managed to put up a goal in the first five minutes of a game that made you think, oh, here it comes. And, and then they held Dallas to 16 shots. That was what was more impressive, if I'm honest. Locked like, it down. Yeah, that was more impressive. To me. I'll be honest. Top of my head, I don't know if I can name a single Calgary Flames defenseman. <laughs> the, uh, okay. It's, it's not Calgary. Mark Giordano because that's the first no, name that pops into my head. Do you, want, do you want me to try? Yeah. All right. Rasmus Anderson. Oliver is he a defenseman? Yes, he is. Okay. Oliver Shillington. Oh, okay, that's two. Nikita Zadorov. That's three. I'm missing somebody important. Yep. Because there should be somebody else who's much more important to this picture. We have a biblical name. Oh, Noah Hannafin. There you go. Appreciate the tip there. Yeah. That, that's a good clue. I figured it was subtle enough. Well, you know. now, now I'm down into the bottom pairing at this point, I believe. Yeah, they also have Eric Goodbranson and, uh, oh, yeah. and uh, Chris Tanev. Oh no! That uh, no, I I would have I should have known those to be honest, but yeah, you know. Uh, but either way, I have the Flames winning this series. I think Dallas is a, a good team. I think you can get a game. St- uh, Jake Ottinger is good enough to steal a game. Uh, clearly, maybe clearly two. Based on what we saw, right? Right, maybe two. Um, I don't know if he's enough to steal the series. I could see Dallas winning a couple, but I have Calgary in six. That is not to copy, but that's what I have. Um, okay. Be- well, because here's the thing with this one. Dallas poses more of a threat than Nashville does to a division winner. Like, if I really am picking the team that came in better position to win, Dallas was the one that was better. Oh, certainly. But, um, you know, Calgary is, was so good this year, and I really like what... Like, I, I kind of almost can't believe that everything has worked out the way that it has. Not necessarily, like, I knew Markstrom was a good enough goalie that he was going to be in position to help them. I knew that they had a good line. I don't know if we knew exactly how good that Gaudreau, Kachuk, Lindholm. If, Cal- if Calgary goes four rounds, Markstrom gets love for the uh, the heart. Or not the heart, the uh, Smythe. Oh, absolutely. Yep. By a mile. I think um, he's going to be a very, 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 very important member of this team. Well, so, but I, I just see too much firepower there. Like Dallas has some good pieces. They had a couple, like, um, not a couple. Robertson was a forty-goal scorer. Look, and he plays on a line. I think Robertson was playing on a line with Rupe Hints and um, God. I, I wish I could remember who the other guy was. Drianov. Might have been, no, I thought it was Pavelski possibly even. Oh, too. you're right. It was Pavelski. Pavelski. Um, and so were they, are they good in a lot of areas? Sure they are. But, like, just not on the level. Like, I, I kind of it, – it, it just is – it's really interesting to me, the dynamic of that Calgary team. Because that Calgary team was awful last year. Yeah. When they made the coaching change and all that stuff. And what they've done now with the full season of Daryl Sutter, it's like – Daryl Sutter has been a wonder for that team. Uh, I think there's an elite tier in the NHL, and I think there's your cup contenders. And your cup contenders are Calgary, Colorado, Toronto, Florida, and maybe Tampa. Like, whoever comes out of that Toronto-Tampa series. I think those are your top five teams to to win the cup. Obviously, it's the playoffs. Dark horses can happen. Carolina can make a run. Boston could make a run. Minnesota could make a run. But I think that's your kind of top 
grouping of teams. And uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of where we're at in a week and a half and how poorly that statement is going to age because <laughs> they could all just be eliminated by the next time we have a conversation here. Correct. So, uh, um, did you give me a, a pick for that series? Yeah, I agreed with you. Six. Okay. Calgary and six. All right. So we have one more, we have one more to go. Uh, yeah. And the last one here is a central division clash. This is Midwest Flyers Penguins. <laughs> uh, we have the Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues. And these teams do not like each other. And that is putting it mildly. Right. Um, both teams come into the playoffs looking like they're ready to go. Both teams look like they're ready to make a deep run. Right. Who you got here? Well, this is this is my Toronto Tampa of the West. Okay. Fair. It's, it's a seven game series. It's it's gonna you know, it's one that I think is gonna go long. I'm not deceived at all by the way game one went. It just was you know, how many of those goals were kind of tough luck with where the rebounds right. went. Power play was a problem. Like penalty kill was a problem for Minnesota during that because they it seemed like every time they took a penalty that maybe either was not, I don't want to say it was questionable, but they either took a bad penalty. By Sounds Vital, like you're but, setting you know, up for a Minnesota pick here. That's where I'm at because I think Minnesota wins it in seven because I really like their team. But again, like, like I said, with these game seven games, friggin' picks, seven. Oh my well, that's God. why I'm. Well, and and here's the thing. I think I picked them in seven because of the fact that that's where Game Seven's going to be. Excel Energy Center is going to be popping for that game. And and quite frankly, it's the only. It's probably the only reason I can come up with. That and that's a that's a barn game. right there. When right. they're and loud, the they're loud. Because man, man, St. Louis is a good team as well. Like I could see it going either way. I'm going to disagree with you. Okay, that's fair. I I think we don't have many of these. On the other side, you have a team that's tough. Mm-hmm. You have a team that's gritty, that plays a hard nosed style. Remember how I mentioned earlier that if if the whistles stay out, Connor right. McDavid will probably have some success. Yeah. If the whistles go away, the St. Louis Blues will win this series. I I think Minnesota is supremely skilled. I think Kirill Kaprizov is phenomenal i think they have just really excellent talent through their whole top six really their whole team you know what's funny i disagree with you on that statement i think it's the other way around i think if the whistles stay out and there's more penalty calls it favors st louis you know that's what i'm saying okay i I think minnesota's super talented i think they're high skill i think they have all the talent in the world yeah i think the way you made you said it made it sound like minnesota i think st louis is going to grind them down right like because look without um Without even getting really heavily involved in the way game one went. I mean, look at what David Perron did. Right. And every single one of those goals was right at the tail end of a – like, it might as well have been a power play because of the fact that it was so we far can talk, down the line. Like, even We can talk all day long till the cows come home on if the wishel should get put away in the playoffs or not or if, right. if the game should be called differently or blah, blah, blah. Factually speaking mm-hmm. – the way the game is currently called, policed, managed, whatever terminology you want to use, the Minnesota uh, Minnesota Wild might be a better hockey team. Right. I think the St. Louis Blues are a better playoff team. Well, they're certainly built for it. I would say that. Yeah, they're built for the playoffs. I yep. mean, from from the experience level to, you know, and, just and I have St. Louis coming into Minnesota and winning that game seven. By the way. Okay, so that's. 
So you're and I agree you- and I do agree with your sentiment. Either team can win. Game seven is a one night crapshoot type situation. I agree with your sentiment that in a game seven, it really is just kind of a toss up, and at that point, you're kind of just picking for fun. And I'll take St. Louis. Play Gloria. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is our playoff preview wrapped up. I gotta go eat dinner, so I'm gonna we're gonna go <laughs> ahead and get out of here. Uh, like we mentioned at the top of the show, we will be back in about a week and a half on Sunday. Hold on, let me get the date here. Sunday the fifteenth. Uh, we will yep. be back with our next episode. Uh, we will bring you bi-weekly coverage throughout the playoffs and then into the offseason and, you know, all that stuff. For more, make sure to check out our YouTube channel. Search You Would Think. We'll pop right up. Follow the show on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Derso. Uh, you can find the show anywhere. Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SportstalkPhilly.com. We're all over the place. Make sure to follow Sports Talk Philly at Sports Talk PHL at Flyerdelphia. All that happy, happy nonsense. And, uh, Kevin, it's playoff time, man. Yeah, I'm going to get off of here and as I'm putting this episode together to get up on all of the platforms and stuff like that. I'm putting on a couple games. Absolutely. We got that Minnesota-St. Uh, Louis game, yeah, too. Just a, uh, pretty much. I mean, it's, it's pretty much getting started. And I know. That's why I'm trying to wrap the show. So. <laughs> oh, I'm out. Yep. We'll see you guys later.